Merry Christmas. We have made Christmas a tad bit hectic. I was out shopping yesterday, which was a huge mistake in every way. It's funny how Christmas has changed as an adult compared to a child. As a child, I, I love the presents, the plethora of presents being thrown at me as I just enjoyed this time and the lights and the candy and all the family coming together. Everyone just seemed to love each other. It was beautiful. And then we grew up. <laughs> as we grew up, now we're the ones out buying the gifts, right? And all of a sudden, our parents are like, how about we just do the kids this year and no adults? And I think, you know, I was your kid once too. <laughs> and we stare at these sweets and candy, and we're like, hmm, that's a lot of calories. Man, the guys are going to really, really get on me if I eat this, the work off this stuff, right? <laughs> and the lights, when I look at the lights, I think, man, why are only half my lights working? I'm going to be electrocuted as I try and fix these lights. I don't get that, and I don't understand family anymore. Family can be a tad bit challenging in this time period. What happened? Somewhere along the way, family went crazy. But as I really, really jump into the season, it is so much better as an adult. Because as a child, I look at the manger, and I think, wow, donkeys and horses all around Jesus. You know, you're just kind of like, it's amazing. It's an amazing scene, but you don't grasp it until you grow up. And you start to think, this moment, God is coming. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is everything. And here he is coming in a manger. And it's, you start to realize how amazing this scene is and the humility, the humbleness that he wanted to come with and what he wanted to share with us. And it is my joy to give this to my kids, to have the courage to share this with my children. And each year, a little bit more understanding, the twinkle of their eye, you start to see that they're getting it a little bit more. That is my greatest joy. And the courage of this season, the courage of the shepherds that we're going to look at is that we see this moment and we begin to share it. We, get, we begin to tell it to our friends and our family. We begin to tell it to strangers. And we see the beauty of what God is doing. The courageous hearts of Christmas is the story that we're walking through. And we see the shepherds show up in the second chapter of Luke. In this second chapter of Luke, it starts out with the angels. And the first thing the angels say is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This moment had to be overwhelming to the shepherds. It goes on and they tell him Christ has been born and he is wrapped in cloths and he's lying in a manger. And so the shepherds go and they follow it. There's this host of angels that begin singing. It's a beautiful moment. It's an overwhelming moment. The shepherds must have been shocked in that moment, but they went. They responded, and when they saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed by him. They were in awe of who he was. In Luke 2.20, it says this, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as has been told them. They saw this God. They saw him in a manger. They were overwhelmed by it. They glorified him. They praised him. And then they begin to share him with everything that they saw. The shepherds are such an interesting choice by God. Very common people. In fact, the shepherds would have been one of the lower jobs that you could have. 
And when you contrast him coming to the shepherds with the wise men who would have been like this, this high, high and mighty position, what God is showing, even as he shows up in the manger, is I came for everyone. There's this spectrum from the lowest of the lows to the highest of the highs. I don't care where you are. I came for every single one of you, everyone in between. He says it from the first moment. The angels show up to these shepherds. These very common, they would have been sinners like the rest of us, just common people. And they were shocked that Christ would reveal himself to them. They were overwhelmed, and the courage of the shepherds was they responded. They responded when they saw Christ. This is the beauty of the shepherds. They went from that place, and they began glorifying and telling everyone they could find about this incredible gift that they had been given by God. As I think about all the Christmases of my life, I've been given a lot of gifts but a couple years ago, I was given a very special gift. Right at Christmas, my daughter Noelle was born. And it was one of those gifts that is it's hard to explain. I was in shock. I was in awe as I looked at her, and I was overwhelmed. This is a beautiful child, and my, my hospital is just letting me walk out with it. With no rules, I don't know what I'm doing. Here he is. It's just this amazing moment, and I begin being so thankful. God, thank you. And I began sharing her and telling everyone I could about this incredible gift. My other two kids are in the picture, but you know, they're just, they're okay at this point. (laughs) This one was born at Christmas, so it was really cool. When I think of the shepherds and this gift of being able to see Christ in the manger, they had the same response, shock, just amazed that God would do this to them that he would show himself to them. And so what do they do? They're they're in thanks, and they begin telling everyone that would listen, everyone that would possibly listen about this incredible gift. They had the courage to praise him. They had the courage to share him, and they had the courage to live for God. What I want us to do is answer this question, do we do these three things? It's a tough question because the world has changed that we live in. But we need to be able to respond and say, do I do this? Do I do this every day? Because I have been given the greatest gift too. The gift of Jesus Christ dying for me so that I have a savior in my life. Do I have the courage to praise him every day? This word courage, what it means is the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, pain, etc. without fear. It's another word for it is bravery. Real courage to praise God no matter what. And to be honest, I don't know when the last time I've been in danger to praise God, where I've had to overcome this major thing so that I can praise God. I don't know if I've been there. There are times when I don't really want to go to church. You know, you have that feeling inside, and I overcame, and I came anyway. But I have a feeling that's fighting laziness, not really fear or danger. It's just my own laziness. Another definition of courage is having the courage of one's convictions to act in accordance with one's beliefs, especially in spite of criticism. This is the one I think comes into our world even more. When we have courage, we're going to have to overcome suffering, overcome people talking about it, people saying things about us. We might have to be courageous against an enemy. 
In fact, what we find in life is there are certain things that we have to have. We go after shelter and food and those kinds of things. And as you go down that list, courage becomes one of them. And it stands in contrast to fear. Fear is something we face constantly. It's an attack. It's one of the worst enemies of men. You find fear in contrast to courage, and you face it every single week. Every week, there's something that comes up, if not daily, in which you have to decide between fear and courage. And courage is where we have to step up and say, I have this, and I'm willing to stand against all forms of persecution, all forms of ridicule, any kind of criticism. I don't care because I'm going to have the courage to praise my God no matter what. The message that God gave Joshua was be of good courage. We read it in Joshua 1.9 when it says, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. One of my favorite books in the Bible is Esther. And it's a book in the Bible in which God is not mentioned. There is no sort of anything where God comes up. The entire book is about a young girl, a young girl who shows courage in the midst of a challenging time. This time period that we're in was a very strange one. The king would have a queen, and Esther was the queen, but the queen could only come before the king if she was summoned. He had to summon. If she came without being summoned, then she would be killed. You know, I tried this with my wife. It didn't work well. I wanted her just to only come when I'm summoned. <laughs> kidding. So there's this moment in which the king decides all the Jews are going to be killed. Long story short, I'm shooting through the story. Long story short, this guy named Mordecai comes to Esther and he says this in my own words, for such a time as this, maybe Esther, you were created for this one moment. See, God could do it any way he wants, but maybe this is the moment you were created for and you need to have the courage to step up and say, I will do it anyway. I will do it even if it means death. I will face this moment and I will have courage to overcome my fear. And so she does it and it's an amazing moment and we see her step up in courage. Spoiler alert, he doesn't kill her. <laughs> it goes really well and the Jews are all saved. But she had to have the courage she had to face that moment head on. And sometimes I find it's so much easier to see courage in other people. We see it around us. We see it in different stories. We're amazed by courage, but some of you are living in the midst of courage. And as a pastor, as us pastors, we love to see it. We see you standing in the midst of your trials. And over and over, you stand up and you show this incredible courage. It's just become a part of who you are. Some people are lifted through the trials and they're stronger. Other people wilt in the midst of trials. Too many Christians are very unsuccessful when the trials of life begin to attack them, when they need to have the steadfast life of Christ. What the steadfast life is, it represents, the word steadfast means immovable, constant, or enduring. It means when the trials of life hit, and they will hit, you stay strong and you praise God anyway. You share the love of God even in the midst of the trial. 
no matter the humiliation, if you're belittled, you don't hide the fact that you're a Christian, you're not a secret servant for Christ working under the scene, you are praising God. The shepherds, their first response was fear. The angel shows up and he has to say to them, do not fear, because fear is a very natural response. They responded and had the courage to say, okay, we're gonna praise God. We're gonna share God and we're going to live for God. They had the courage to tell everybody they could about this God. God has called us to live in courage. And God has a plan for you. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to experience the plan in which you get to show courage in your life. Next week, we're actually going to be talking through the life of Ruth. I'm kind of excited about that one because the story of Ruth is a really special one. Ruth thinks God has completely forgotten her. But God is working behind the scenes, history before, doing all kinds of things to where this moment happens and she sees that God never forgot her. It's going to be an incredible story and the point to us will be God still has a plan for you. If you're in town next week, I know a lot of people leave, make sure you're here, bring your family here because we're gonna continue with that theme that God has a plan for your life and that plan includes courage. Courage to stand like the shepherds and praise him and share him no matter what. The Bible is this huge book full of story after story and person after person in which God uses as they stand in courage. Acts 4.31 says, and when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. As the Holy Spirit enters into us, we will speak of it with boldness. Tom Brokaw, he wrote this book called The Greatest Generation. Really good book. It's all about the men and women of World War II that went and fought for us. But then the courage of the fighting was amazing, but then they came back, and the U.S. at that time was torn apart. But they went to work, and they worked, and they brought up the nation of the U.S. to be one of the superpowers of the world. It was an amazing time period for that generation. That baton has moved on to us. But this, this baton they handed us, the world that we're in now, is so much different. The enemy is a lot harder to see. We have amazing technology. We can read license plates from space, right? It's amazing what they're doing with technology. We know about blackouts happening on the other side of the world before they do. It's on the news as the lights are going off. They're all, what? Boom, we'll see it. You know what I mean? Technology is crazy what we have now. And yet we live in a world in which the danger and the heightened danger has gone up and out of control. And people are doing crazy things. We're the next mosquito that bites us. We're like, did I just get West Nile virus? I have no idea. There's all these diseases and the terrorist attacks. There's no rules of war anymore. We find ourselves living in which civilians are the target. It's a whole new world that we live in. And the real scary part of the whole thing is that Christianity and anything of moral value is under attack like never before. We find that being good is bad. Or you're the weirdos. You're the weirdos because you still believe in moral values. You still believe in a book, the Bible. You're the weirdos. You're the ones that are under attack. That's the generation we're in. 
And we have to have the courage to say, we'll stand anyway. We'll praise anyway. We'll share anyway. We're going to live this way anyway, no matter what the attack is, and having the fortitude to stand with courage. Do you have the courage to stand for what is true, what is reasonable, what is just, and glorify God no matter what, in spite of personal costs, the reputations that will be altered, the opportunities lost as a result? A couple years ago, I found myself in line at Disneyland, and my kids had just turned three. And I'm like, mm, there's this rule, you see, when they, two and under is free. But at three, it goes up to a million dollars per child. <laughs> and I'm like, they asked me, and, and they didn't ask the age of my kids. And they, they wouldn't ask. I could walk through. We totally know we could walk through. But we're at that little kiosk thing, getting our tickets. And they say, how many tickets do you need? And I'm like, four. Here's my credit card. Just charge it. It's awful. But, you know, if we're not faithful with the little things, it's going to be harder to do the big things. And that's a really small thing. Some of you are standing in courage. Like, we understand the courage of the military. We understand the courage of policemen and firefighters. We get that. What we fail to understand is the courage of the shepherds. That's where we sometimes struggle. The courage to praise him no matter what. To share him with everyone. And to live for him daily, the steadfast courage, no matter what we're facing. This is the husbands and wives who find the courage and the conviction to stay together, to honor the marriage vows when sometimes it really feels like it'd be easier just to move on, just to follow something else. The courage to say, nope, stick into this. We're going to continue and press forward. The courage of the moms and dads who sacrifice mightily to raise children, be strong, strong Christians to them, to read those stories at night when you just want them to go to bed. You've had enough, just go. But you go up and you read the Bible, you pray with them. You have the courage to bring them to church when they're being naughty. (laughs) You've been there. I know it's awful sometimes, but you have the courage and you say, nope, I'm going to raise these kids the right way. The courage of the single parents who give their all to redeem their situations and care for their children, even though it's so tough. The honest employee who would rather risk their job than hurt a customer. Many of you, you have employees and you do what's right. The students and the teachers who will stand up for the faith in a very Christian-bashing society. It's a whole new world, and the courage of the teachers, the courage of the students to say, nope, I'm going to praise them anyway. I'm going to share them anyway. The young couples who will resist the pressures to live together and put their future marriage at risk. You're the weirdos now, the weirdos for saying, nope, I choose to do this the way God said. I want to follow God's plan And I have the courage to do it, even though people make fun of me. We stand on the shoulders of those before us. Many generations had many different fights. Our fight is a one of moral courage to stand strong. The courage of the shepherds 
to go through each century and say, I can stand, I can praise him, I can share him, I can live for him. Winston Churchill in World War II, one of the things he said was, death and sorrow will be the companions of our journey. Hardship, our garment. Constancy and valor, our only shield. We must be united. We must be undaunted. We must be inflexible. Do we have the courage to praise God no matter what? The courage to share him with everyone we meet. And before all of that, the courage to live for him. Jesus taught us in Luke 14, 27. He said, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. When we think of this, this kind of courage, when he speaks of the cross, we're supposed to pick up the cross and follow him. He's talking about a realm that goes beyond our imagination, the realm in which Jesus is sweating blood and he's in the garden thinking about what's about to happen. We cannot fathom that. And when we think about that moment of going with the cross, carrying the cross up, the nails, and then dying and rising from the dead, it's an overwhelming death that we struggle with. And he says, you must pick this up and follow me. What the enormity of that, what it is that he's saying. We think, can we really do what he's saying? But the key to the whole story is in Revelation 13, 8, when it said, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. What he's telling us is that moment, the cross, it was here before the manger, before I was born. It was here before many generations before that. It was here before I founded the earth. Before the earth was formed, the cross was already in place. As Jesus walked on the planet, he told the disciples over and over what was gonna happen. He said, I must be rejected by the elders, by the high priests. I must suffer. I have to die. And then I'm going to rise in three days. And the disciples didn't quite capture it. In fact, Peter rebukes them. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, which is a pretty strong phrase to say to someone who's following you and trying to learn from you. Get behind me, Satan. He's pretty serious about this. And he says this, and he says it to us, if anyone, anyone comes after me, he has to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. As we follow Jesus, the cross, it takes us through the garden and the moment of deciding. It takes us through the manger and remembering the king of kings. It takes us through our present time period, the pain of self-denial. The cross for some of us is denying the sin nature, which is very natural. The things that you feel, the things you want to do, it's part of the sin nature, and you deny it. That's taking up the cross. Some of you taking up the cross is being steadfast when the trials of life are overwhelming. What you're facing, what you're dealing with, someone shouldn't have to deal with. But you press on. You press on. You stay faithful. You're steadfast. It's amazing to watch. For some of you, the cross is to stand for God, even though it means persecution, even it means loss of things. 
you stand strong because that is your cross. It's painful, it's scary, but you have to do it. Second Corinthians fourth chapter, Paul says this, we have the treasure, this treasure in the jars of clay to show the transcendent power belongs to God and not to us. We are hard pressed on every side and not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that his life may be revealed in our mortal souls. We show Christ in what we do. We show the death. We show the manger. We show the courage of the shepherds when we overcome whatever it is you're facing. When you carry that cross, the cross will come in many ways. In uh, John 12, the Greeks, they come to Jesus. It's right after the triumphal entry. He just enters the city and they sort of think, oh, this is our new king. There's something amazing happening. So they begin asking him questions. And as the Greeks are asking them questions, this is what he says. Unless a kernel of wheat falls and dies in the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. Whoever serves me must follow me. They must have stared at him like, I don't understand what you just said. I mean, it had to have been the strangest thing. They're like, what? Wheat. You know what I mean? But we get it. When we see that, we know exactly what he's talking about. We know exactly what he was meaning in that time period and exactly what he means for us. As we follow Christ and we remember this manger, as we pick up our cross and we begin to praise him no matter what the situations, and as we begin to share him no matter how difficult it gets, and as we begin to live for him and show the courage of the shepherds in which you live for him in every situation, the word of God spreads, Christ spreads, Christ becomes alive in us. It changes the world. We have to live for him every day. Let's pray. God, this gift that you gave us is really beyond our imagination. We are doing our best to try and understand. Help us to understand more. Help us to praise you with a praise that is truly glorifying to you, that brings you glory. God, help us as we share the little that we know, the little that we understand. Speak through us. Be our hands and feet. Show us exactly what you're doing. And God, help us to stay strong and to live for you in the trials and the difficulties of this world we live in. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, not gonna pull you up front, not gonna do anything weird, but I want to pray for you. If you're in this room and you find yourself facing those trials, needing the courage of the shepherds, saying, I need to press through what I'm dealing with, have this steadfast faith, I wanna pray for you. If you will, put your hand in the air and just say, that's me. Pray for me. I need the courage of the shepherds to stay strong in the midst of these trials. Just quickly lift it up. Anyone else? Amen. Be strong. God, thank you. As we acknowledge where we are, you can do so much more. 
So God, use this moment. Let this be an incredible Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.